It's good to be back. Welcome to all the new faces. I see a lot of beautiful new faces. Um, for those of you, I always do this, and everyone's like, yeah, we know you're Linda, but there's always new people. Um, my name is Linda. I'm married to Stoffel, and we lead this church together. Um, it is very important for me to say that we lead it together, because we do, <laughs> and we have fun doing it. Um, we've been away for two weeks, just taking our break and just having some fun in the sun with our family. Um, it wasn't fun for me, but I'll talk about it now. <laughs> I didn't have a good break. Stoffel loved it. Um, so let's quickly pray. Are we all good? Hmm. Yes, Father, we just want to bring you all the honor and all the glory today. And we thank you for who you are, Lord. If we just sit and think about the goodness of God, it will keep us busy for eternity. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you, you've decided to make us part of your journey. You have decided to make us part of who you are. And I just pray now, Lord, that as I speak, that your words will fill my mouth and that every person will receive what you have planned for them to receive today. I bless this congregation, Lord. I bless the, the Hermanus, Lord. And I just speak a peace over this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, the Lord woke me up every morning by telling me my love story, the way that how I met Stoffel. Now, God played a very vital, very important role, and just Reino knows, because Reino is Stoffel's best friend, he's visiting for Namibia, so he's already smiling. But God played a very important role in how the two of us got together. Um, it is all God and only Linda and Stoffel here by the side. But about two weeks ago, he woke me up every morning by telling me the story. Now, I am absolutely in love with our story. I think a movie should be made. It's a rom-com because we're both very funny. And we do end up together, so it's a good story. And I, and I just loved God going through all the details. Him saying, do you remember when Stoffel said this? Do you remember when Stoffel said that? And do you remember you said this to me? And he's just going through all the details. I'd never, I don't know, maybe you're different than I do, but I, in the two weeks, I've never thought to myself, why is he telling me the story? I never thought to myself, I'm like, oh, this is a beautiful story. I love waking up to it, just going through all the romance, seeing how God is faithful, looking at our kids and like, wow, this is the fruit of our marriage. This church is the fruit of our marriage. I never thought to ask him why he's telling me the story, since I know it so well. Until one morning, I woke up and he starts again. And then for the first time in two weeks, just shows you how self-centered I am. <laughs> I thought to myself, I wonder why he's telling me the story. I, I know the story so well, and it's not an anniversary, it's not a big thing, I don't know why. I, wanna, I wonder why he's telling us the story. And as I asked him the question, Jesus, why are you telling me the story? I instantly remember a part of the conversation in that moment when God spoke to me about Stoffel being my husband that I've not remembered since. I instantly remembered as part of the conversation in that moment while I was talking to God about Stoffel being my husband, this is before Stoffel knew that I'm his wife, he, he asked me a question and I forgot about it completely till two weeks ago. And the question was, Linda, will you trust me with your heart? Will you trust me with your heart? And me, 
I'm not a person, I'm very big on words. I'm very big on when I say yes, it's a yes, when it's a no, when it's a no. So when God asked me that question, I knew the heavy weight that was behind it. I knew this is not just a, oh, trust me with your heart, it's going to all end up well. This is like a complete trust me with your heart. So when I answered him, I said yes. And at that moment when I remembered, I, I said to Stilford, did I ever tell you about this? And he said, no, I never even made it part of the testimony when God asked me that question. But it made such an impact on my relationship with God that he treasures it, that he reminds me of it. And then I was like, Lord, what is going on with this heart thing? Why is the trusting you with my heart so vitally important to you? Why do you want me to remember that I trust you with my heart? You see, it's very easy for us to trust the Lord for our needs. Lord, I need food. Lord, I need you to provide for me. I need a job. So easy. But when it comes to trusting with your heart, it's a different ballgame. Because you see, the things of the heart is where we control the most. We manage it the most. The most we want to stay sh- make sure that nothing hurts the heart. <laughs> we want to make sure that nothing, that, that intimate, private part of your heart that actually no one sees. You know, true vulnerability means that everyone can look into your life. Intimacy means into me you see. But so many of us keep that side of our hearts even hidden to ourselves because we, we're so scared. If we open up that side of our hearts, what's going to happen to it? And as I was just meditating about him asking me to trust his with heart, and since then, looking back at my life, it's been 12 years, I really can see how my heart played a vital role in my walk with God, where my heart became this, this, this compass. When my heart is not in rest, my life was in chaos. So if my heart wasn't completely submitted to Jesus and to God, my life wasn't fun. So I'm going to read to you a scripture in Proverbs 23, verse 26. There's a lot of scriptures we're going to read this morning. You can just, we're going to quickly go through it, and then I'll explain to you why the Lord is speaking to me about this. Proverbs 23, 26. Just a word of advice. We normally come to church with our Bibles. <laughs> I've got two. It's fun <laughs> trying to open everything. My son, give me your heart and embrace fully what I'm about to tell you. My son, my son, so this is important, my son, he's already a Christian. It's not, hey, you, that's a sinner. It's my son, give me your heart and embrace fully for what I'm about to tell you. The next scripture is Psalm 51 verse 10. Are you gonna put it up there for us? Thank you. Psalm 51 verse 10, is it? Okay, create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. And then the scripture that I want to read to you is in Philippians 4 verse 7. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, and 6 it starts, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And here we can see a, a pattern that the moment we start submitting our hearts to him, his peace governs it. The moment we make the vulnerability step, the moment we open our hearts and say, Jesus, you've got my heart, his peace governs it. It's his role to govern. It's his responsibility to govern our hearts, to keep us safe. And then the scripture that I want to end up with is Matthew 8 verse 8, 5 verse 8, and it says, the pure in heart will see God. The pure in heart will see God. So this is, this is my journey the last two weeks with, with heart and what is, what is happening and my role and how do I add up and what do I play. Um, if you want Stoffel and I to cry like babies, you come and tell us what is happening in this church, in this community at this moment. At this very moment, we are writing history. All of you sitting here today is part of history. You are being written about in the future. The victories and the testimonies that you are experiencing is being written in the future. We are part of history. What is happening here, if you want us to cry, you must come and tell us the testimonies, what is happening out of this house, what is happening in our services. We have had an extremely blessed time since about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. The Lord just started pitching up in our services and it just wrecks our mind. It's happening in our house. The glory of God is physically manifesting in our house. It wrecks our minds. If you want us to cry, come and tell us what's happening right here at this moment. And if you understand who we are, you will know that we want more. If you understand what, what we stand for, if you cut us up in the middle of the night, what you will find is we want more God, we want you, we want to see you. The pure in heart will see God. That's our purpose. That's why we exist. This is the reason why we exist. This whole thing, our children, everything is because I trusted him with my heart 12 years ago. I trusted him with my want. You see, we so easily trust the Lord with our needs. And because we trust him with our needs, we stay in survival. Oh Lord, I need food. Oh Lord, I need Christmas presents. Oh Lord, I need, please, please. We stay in our needs. But the moment we go into our wants, now listen, I'm not saying we must become self-focused Christians. True sons of God can't be self-focused because they're filled with love, and love is not selfless. Selfish. Love is selfless. So sons of God that start operating in want start creating with God. See, we align our desire with his heart, and history has been written because of that. If we start allowing the wants, I want, for instance, poverty to be eradicated in Hermanus. I don't want the, the hungry to be fed. That was awesome. But that's a need. I want poverty to be eradicated in Hermanus. That's a want. That's a dream with God. That is a desire that comes from him that's birthed in me. That's our roles. But the key about desiring with God is intimately connected with purity in heart. One of the best ways that the devil can keep us busy, I read this quote yesterday, it just wrecked my mind. The enemy is so afraid 
that you would get such a place, that you will get in such, into such a place of rest that you would reflect God's nature through your dreams. The enemy is so afraid that you will get in such a place of rest that you would start reflecting God's nature even in your dreams. He is terrified that the creator of the universe will create again, but this time through you. He's terrified at it. So what does he do? He keeps you needs-based. He brings in anxiety. He brings in stress. He brings in bitterness. He brings in unforgiveness. And he keeps you focused on this mess, the down spiral that we go on. That's need-based. You know, I always say to my children that don't understand because they're two and four years old, I say to them, you know, forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's a gift. And I don't want to be the person that throws that kind of gift back into God's hands, so I take it. I'm one of those silliest people that, I, I was thinking about it so much, my, to keep my heart pure is my sole purpose in life because I want to see God. I will ask, for, you can ask Tuffle, we'll have a little bit of a disagreement, two minutes later, so I'm like, I'm so sorry. I've, I, I, I actually embarrass myself by going around to people and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't want to. Because I don't want anything to niggle into my heart and to take root and to t distract me from dreaming with God. It's my ultimate purpose. It's my ultimate reason is to dream with Him and to manifest His glory, His realm, His authority on earth. That's why I exist. I don't exist for anything else. Bitterness, when I pick up bitterness in my heart, I chase it down, I hunt it down, I cut it out of my life, I pull people around me. I remember there was a situation in this year where I really struggled to forgive someone. I really struggled. It was weeks on weeks, and every morning I'm like, Lord, I forgive that person. I go to that person, I say, I forgive you. But weeks, the cycle just kept on going. And eventually, it went over into bitterness, because that's what happens. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness. Bitterness is murder and diapers. So bitterness is not a fun thing to have in your heart. So I hunt down bitterness. I phone a friend in America and I say, listen, I don't even tell her the story. I don't even tell her why I am at where I am, why I'm this angry. I just say to her, you need to pray for me. You would please fast with me, but bitterness needs to go. I can't harbor that in my heart because then I can't see God. He's my ultimate treasure. And she did. She prayed with me. She led me through a sozo. <laughs> she did everything. And it left. When we have a difficult day, we always come to one another and we ask him, where did you lose Jesus? Where did you lose your peace? Where did you take your eyes off the King of Kings and brought it down and allowed the devil to determine your day and your destiny? Where did that happen? We need to lock our eyes back up onto him. So self-management is very important in keeping what's happening here. I don't want this thing to be fleeting. I don't want this, whatever we're experiencing, to be three months long. I want it to change a generation. I want the next generation to build on what we're building now. And the generation after that to build on what they're building now. So that means I need to steward myself in the best possible way to keep God the center, to keep him the focus. Because the peace, those who are pure in heart, will see God.
And we all know, when we lock our eyes to Jesus, it is absolutely impossible to look into the face of God and not be changed. It's impossible. It is impossible. I've led so many people to Jesus, and the only thing I do is just lock your eyes to Jesus. And the moment they lock their eyes to Jesus, he just, he's, he's, he's Jesus. He just blows them out of their minds. So I want to encourage you with this festive season. You know what, what we do is um, we so easily become inward focused and then we be- become justified. You know, I, I have the right to be this angry because did you see what that person did to me? It's unfair. It's not right. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, yep, 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 yep. It's not helping anyone. It's least of all helping you. Because the more you yap, the more you're looking away to your, from your deliverer. And the yapping is not helping. It's helping the enemy. The moment you start partnering with unforgiveness, bitterness, whatever, you're partnering with demonic. You're not partnering with the spirit of life. So, We have been called to co-create, co-author, co-lead this earth with God. Last, one, one of the biggest compliments that happened to us this week or, is someone phoned us that they don't know who we are, they've never met us, but they want to come and meet us. So they, they're on their way to go to Cape Town and they heard what is happening here. They're from East London. They heard what's happening here and they drove they stopped over last night to meet Stoffel and I to hear what is happening here. They're that hungry to stop, to stop the, the whole family just pitched up at our house. And they were, we were sharing stories and we were guiding them and helping them and praying for them because they're so hungry to have what we experience. So hungry. I most probably think they will come back. We had a good time. That, that blesses my heart. That blesses my heart so much that the testimony of the goodness of God is going into the nation of South Africa about what's happening here. That I'm like, Lord, whatever it takes, do not lift your hand. We're going to stay. If it means that I must humble myself to the quadrat van humble pie, I will do it, but I'm not going to upset or disrupt his pouring out of his spirit. I'm not going to do that. And I want to encourage you, join me in this journey. You will be surprised about how powerfully and beautifully you've been created in his image. And it's your journey, it's your privilege to seek it out with him. So don't let bitterness and unforgiveness and whatever that down spiral causes determine your journey. Much rather go sit at his feet and say, hey, it's deep, calling out to deep. Who am I? Who are you? What's inside of me that you've placed there? What does it look like when I govern the earth with you? Because that's what we've been called to. Matthew 28 verse 18. This is where our name from our church comes from. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus speaking. Therefore go and make disciples teaching them, baptizing them, heal the sick, deliver them. He gives the whole spiel. 
What did he do when he said go? He said, you are not commissioned. You sit right next to me and you determine the destiny of the lost in this earth. You determine the destiny of the brokenness in this earth. We so easily cry out to Jesus, Lord, why is the world a mess? Why is the world a mess? And he's like, it's your world. It's your responsibility. So if the church, if we can come to a place where we start governing ourselves to the glory of God, imagine what the world will look like. The Bible says if you, ex- if you forgive, it will be forgiven. But if you keep it captive, it will be kept captive. Now, I don't want to be known in heavens to keep people captive. That's not the fun thing to be known. I want to be known in heavens to extend forgiveness and freedom. So how do we, I'm not going to preach very long today. I'm having fun, but not going to preach very long. It's like no hole. <laughs> okay. So how do we, we, we do this? How do we govern our hearts? How do we protect strength in our hearts? How do we protect ourselves going from that down spiral? Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It does happen. We go, stuff happens. I went away on this holiday. I was looking forward to it. Day two, I got the worst tummy virus that the world has ever thought out of. It was the worst. I was so, so, so sick. And the best of all, I'm in the Gramadulas. There's no hospital, no doctor, nothing close to me. So Stoffel had to drive me to the closest town, which is not a beautiful town, to the hospital there, which is not a fun hospital. And I slept over in hospital. And I literally couldn't keep the food down. I couldn't eat. I lost, I want to say, seven Ks in four days because it just went, I just didn't eat. They didn't want to let me go if I don't eat, so I forced myself to eat. And then when I left, out of the, I gave up everything again. So it wasn't fun. I didn't have fun. My body, because of this extreme craziness that was going in, into, in my body, it was just three weeks ago, my body just went haywire. It just started shutting down, and I was almost back in hospital. So I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going back to the hospital. This is holiday time. I would say that this is the perfect circumstances to get discouraged. And I was discouraged. I was in a down spiral. I was crying. I was not sleeping. My children didn't enjoy me. My husband couldn't have fun with me. I was just a blur lying there in bed, not having fun. And these are the things that I've taught myself through the years, since 12 years back, when I learned how to govern my heart. And I'm not an angel. I do get angry, and I do get upset. But I've learned the value of guarding what is happening here. So the things that I do when my, my down spiral happens, and I learned this from Stoffel, is I go to Psalms. I open my Bible, and I read Psalms. And I keep reading Psalms till I see myself in the Psalms. I keep reading it. And it's beautiful. I, I remember the one morning I was reading Psalms and I'm just crying, not because I feel like David, oh, you're downcast soul. I wasn't, because I could see the beauty that David was seeing in God in the Psalms. I encouraged myself with the Psalms. The second thing that I do is I, I don't remove myself from my community. So the moment I hit the negative space, I text my girls, I'm like, hey, I'm not doing well. You need to pray. And they did. They came around me, they lifted my arms, they started prophesying over me, they started spraying scripture over me. They lifted me 
in my darkest time. Not darkest time, it wasn't fun. I'm very dramatic, but it wasn't fun. My girls, my community, the people that, that I know has the best interest and heart for me pulled around me. Many of you were also, I found out, also praying for me. And then the last thing I do is I start worshiping. I put on loud worship music and I focus, casting my eyes back onto Jesus, locking my eyes with the author of faith. And it wasn't even, I think it was two or three days after that, my spirits were lifted. Sickness gone, my body got back into balance, life was good, and I had two more days less of holiday. <laughs> so I had two weeks and I had two days of holiday, which was good. You see, even Jesus gave us a formula in the Bible for when we get downcast. The first question he asks is, can you see? Can you see God? And when you're as downcast as I am, when your life is not fun, you most probably can't see. And then the next question you ask is, can you hear? Can you hear the voice of the Lord? Can you hear what he's saying, scripture? And most probably, if you're like me, you can't hear. So you open your Bible like, oh, it's so boring, it doesn't make sense. But then the last question, and that's always the question pulls us through, is can you remember? So if you can't see, and if you can't hear, you can remember. And that's where testimonies are so vital. So I strengthen myself by other people's testimonies. I start strengthening myself. I'm like, my goodness, that was so amazing to hear about Elsie who got healed. Oh, that's so amazing to hear about Michelle who had this radical encounter. It's so amazing. About if you remember, a year ago, Stoffer was preaching. One of my friends, the, the Saturday night, had a heart attack. And he was in hospital fighting for his life. And while we were here at church, Stoffel prayed for that guy. He was about to go for a heart surgery. And he prayed for the guy. I made a video. I sent it to his wife, who's in hospital. And before they sent him in to have an operation, the wife said, just check one last time. They made a scan, perfect heart, nothing wrong. You prayed. That's a testimony. The other beautiful thing is I've got a friend. I've been chasing rain. I want rain. I want the drought to end now. It's happened in Pretoria. But I have a friend who's in, in the Karua, and it's still very dry there. And I constantly ask her, did it start raining? Did it start raining? Last week, the report came back five more. It started raining. That's a testimony. I strengthen myself with the testimony that's happening around us. There was a powerful testimony of Michelle in the back, also her friend that had a mishap. She asked me to pray for her. I prayed, and in the spirit, saw the person, spoke life. She was, came back. She was fine. Right, Michelle? She's out of hospital. Set free, healed, 100%. That's a testimony. The Lord is faithful. If you can't see it, it's not his problem. We need to align ourselves to see it. And with that, I'm not saying be super religious and don't be real about your heart. The Bible says in Philippians 4, it says, go share your heart with him. Go sit and say, hey, God, hey, I'm when I was going through all this puking business, I was like, Jesus, this is not fun. You know, all that sweets I bought stopped my diet for two weeks to have fun, and now I can't have anything. 
he knew that. I told him every second, I'm like, I want to eat bread, please, can I have bread? Didn't, it didn't happen. So I was real of Jesus. He said, you know what's beautiful about God? He's, he's a person. He's not up there in heaven, oh, I am God, you listen to me. He's a person. There's relationship. I think that's why we were having so much fun with me and Stoffel, because he was whispering something in Stoffel's ear, run away from Linda. Then to Stoffel, Linda, it's your husband. And I'm like, Stoffel, Stoffel, you're my husband. Stoffel's like, no, no, no. <laughs> Runs away. <laughs> so he is a person. Share your heart, but share everything. Share the wants. Share the desires. There's so many of you that gave up the desires of your heart. You gave it up. Because somewhere, somewhere along the line, you started believing a lie that your desires doesn't count. You will not breathe if your desire doesn't count. You will not exist if your desire didn't count. You exist. That means your desires count. But so many of us stay need-based. And we don't move into the dreaming with God-based. And this is going to be a year, 2020, of vision, of seeing God. The pure in heart see God. And I am so encouraged and I am so looking forward to see and to hear what is about to do before, through you, through all of you. To see and to hear how the desires of your heart becomes alive right next to him. I want to encourage you, dream big. If you've stopped dreaming, just go ask the Lord, Lord, why did I stop? Must I forgive this person? Yes, forgive that person. Forgive the person. Go on with your life. Don't camp around the old stuff. It's gone. It's past. It's dead. You're the only person camping around a dead donkey. Don't camp around the dead. Go, keep on living. Make the desires of your heart known to him. Write it down. Keep them to it. If you write down, Lord, I want to write three books, then remind them daily, hey, I want to write three books, would you mind just giving me the books? You can. It's for the king's glory to seek it out. He hides it for us, our glory, to seek it out, for our adventure, for our excitement to seek it out. Don't let bitterness and unforgiveness distract you or busyness. Get into rest. Get into that place of surrender, of trust, trusting him with your heart. It was so beautiful. One of the, if you, my Achilles heel is my daughter. If you want to see me distraveled in five minutes, then send in Carla. You've got me. The two-year-old in her is bouncing against the 36-year-old in me. <laughs> so, and yesterday we had a fight about something. I think I switched off Elsa. I don't know what I did, but she was angry. So she was blah, 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 shouting at me. And I just lost it. I'm like, Carla, I'm your mother. Blah, blah, blah. And her big eyes went big. She's two. And her eyes went big, and immediately I lost my peace through a two-year-old. And you can ask the full. Immediately I started asking for forgiveness. To my two-year-old, I'm like, I'm so sorry, Carla. I can swear you. Say you for mama forgive No. <laughs> she did forgive me <laughs> eventually. But I don't allow stuff to distract my heart. And I want to encourage you to live that way. It's way more free. Last night when that couple came to visit us with the family, the lady said that to us. She said she can see 
how the unity that we've created between the God and I and my husband and I, how that is impacting generations. And it starts with our children. If there's no honesty between you and God, can there be truly unity? You are one with him, but are you one with him in heart? And that is what really counts, because the heart is the issues of life. Out of the heart flows your life. So don't hide from your heart. Don't hide from the desires that went dead or the dreams that doesn't exist anymore. Don't hide from it. Go dig them out. Bring them to Jesus and say, hey, I'm so sorry I gave up this dream. Will you help me to bring it back into life? And whatever the steps are, one of the biggest compliments that Jesus gave me in this year, I was driving somewhere and he, he said to me, Linda, we have finally come to a place in our relationship. This is now, I'm 16 years a Christian, 17. And we have finally come to a place, Jesus and I, where he can tell me what is the sin and the darkness in my heart and I don't get offended. He can actually say to me, Linda, I don't like it when you're frustrated or short, short-tempered and I don't get offended and I don't try to defend myself. I'm like, okay, please remove it. I don't want that. So I give it to you. That I'm so secure in his love that whatever he wants to pull out that's not part of him in me, it just goes. And it's fun. We have a lot of conversations where he's like, I don't like that, but that's not who you are. But we stopped doing that. And I just give it to him because I want to see God. The pure in heart will see God. So with 2020 coming up, it's the year of clear vision, 2020. It's the year of physically face-to-face encounters with Jesus. This is going to happen a lot. What we've seen the last month is just drop, drops in a bucket for what's about to come. I don't want anyone to miss out. I don't want any one of you to miss out on this wave that's about to hit this area. So I beg of you, I desire, my request to you is clear your heart. You've got 10 days left. Clean it out. Whatever it is, unforgiveness, whatever, just clean it out. And strengthen yourself in Jesus. And learn the tools that when it comes again, when the down spiral comes again, you immediately stop yourself. Okay, I'm down spiraling. Jesus, what's happening in my heart? Okay, and you start worshiping, reading the Psalms, confessing the word of God, just keeping the word of God in front of you. You lock your eyes with the word of God. You know what, what is why <laughs> I always have a giggle? People have a lot of fights about who God is with Christians. They're constantly saying, oh God won't do that, oh God won't do that. For those of you who don't know, this is a rabbit trail, two of our classmates, Kelly and Andrew, that was part of the BSSM school, their daughter passed away, she's two, last week Saturday, she woke up, she didn't wake up, she went to bed, she just stopped breathing. And you can imagine the shock on the parents' life. Now, Callie is a worship leader at Bethel at this moment. She's a revival group pastor. And instead of allowing this news to define her moment, she started fighting for her daughter. And they had five days the last week where they worshiped God nonstop, calling Olive back to life. It was a very, I didn't enjoy this week because I was also like, I wish I was there to fight with them. I fight at home. She didn't wake up. 
they're having a memorial service for her soon. But what really, really struck me is how they chose God in the midst of a storm. How they chose his goodness, how they proclaimed his goodness in the midst of a storm. It's a big tragedy. And I'm so thankful that the community rallied around them and are going to carry them through this mourning process. And then they've decided, because it's a big church, Bethel's a big church, they've decided to make the public, because it's, you can't keep the news away. I mean, social media makes it impossible. So they've decided to make it public that they're contending for her resurrection, and they were persecuted like mad. I said to Stoffel, it's so sad. I mean, they're doing nothing wrong. They're just worshiping Jesus, but the church world was just like, blah, just throwing their stuff on them. You're so wrong. You said this. Let the child die. It's God's will, blah, blah, blah. And I just stopped going on social media after that. And my question that I would love to ask every person, and I ask myself, is do you know him? If you know him, questions like this, whether God can resurrect a daughter or a girl, it doesn't matter, because you know him. If you know him, if you see him, questions about can my dreams can be revived, will it be revived, it doesn't need an answer. The answer is yes. Get to know him. So for my best way to start to get to know the Lord is reading my Bible. I started, I'm, I started again from the beginning. That's why I bought a new one, Michelle. <laughs> I tend to give away my Bibles. This one I'm going to keep. <laughs> so I'm starting from the, fr- from the beginning, reading my Bible. And I thought to myself, I actually only once in the 17 years of my existence with Jesus read through the Bible. I don't have an opinion about him if I don't know him. And all these people keep themselves busy with all these lies that the enemy wants them to believe. But they don't take the, ch- they don't take the chance on God by getting to know him. Okay, the circus is getting out of hand. There's a lot of people that's listening to our services. Um, Pretty soon there's going to be some more international people, but there's one person that texted me yesterday and said, I'm listening, I'm streaming all your services. Run, well done for that job. And I said to her, I'll say hello to her today. So hello, Monique. (laughs) She's listening from Potschefström. I want to pray. And I want to ask you guys just, just, just to stand. Can you have my water on here? Thank you. And we're going to, I just want some, just want you and, you, you and God for the next five minutes. And just dig into your heart. It might be the beginning, there might be a lot of stuff that you need to dig through. But just dig into your heart. And when you have anything, a little clippy, a little fox, that's hindering the free flow of Jesus and his love in your heart, bring it to him. If it means you need to forgive someone, just forgive. If it means that you need to go and apologize to someone, just go and apologize. But nothing is worth it to take your eyes off Jesus. You can play some music first. Thanks, Ruth.